Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103, texting and WhatsApping, also available to you at 0862-103-103. And I can already see a lot of commentary coming into the programme. And of course, we also welcome your emails. We'll get through uh, as many of your emails as we can today as well. Patricia at c103.ie. But schools and the topic of whether to open schools or not next Monday very much the topic of conversation uh, today. Many of the newspapers are reporting that schools may remain closed for the full month of January under proposals now being considered by the government and obviously it's all to try to stop the rapid spread of COVID-19. Primary and secondary schools uh, were were due to reopen. Um, It was Thursday of this week. Then that was pushed out to next Monday. That announcement was made last week but now the Cabinet is set to consider keeping them closed for at least another two if not three weeks. And of course it's all tied in with the rising number of COVID-19 cases. 6,110 new cases were recorded yesterday with sadly uh, six deaths uh, reported. And uh, the papers today are reporting 776 patients in hospital but I saw this morning before I came on air that number has already shot up overnight and has gone to over 800 now currently in hospital. A Cabinet Committee on COVID-19 are meeting today to discuss the escalating public health crisis but the key focus we're told of that meeting is going to be on schools. The Education Minister Norma Foley will update the Cabinet Subcommittee on the latest situation regarding schools. Party leaders and ministers will consider asking schools to remain closed to stop the spread of the virus. Plans are also being discussed to keep some schools open for the children of frontline workers and also those with disabilities. So the junior minister there with responsibility for for disabilities and rabbit speaking there on the news and there is a big push to keep special needs schools and classes open. So we'll have to wait to see what comes from Cabinet. A government source said schools will be closed not because schools are unsafe but it's to stop the movement of around a million people that's associated with the children going to school, with parents 
dropping them off with pair, with the teachers, special needs assistance. They reckon about a million people move every morning in getting children to school. So it's to try to curtail that movement of uh, people. Chief Medical Officer Tony Coolahan said we are going to see a significant impact on the provision of education due to the es- escalating spread of COVID-19. He said there are decisions to be taken by government on the schools issue and uh, Neffert are also meeting this week. He has spoken to the Taoiseach Micheál Martin yesterday about schools and while the transmission of the virus in school going children is still below average, the worry is that it's increasing and it's increasing at a very fast rate. Tony Houlihan said they're looking at the contribution schools would make to ongoing transmission. He said we have made clear that high levels of transmission pose a risk to all sorts of activities. He said we have successfully managed to protect children in education but you can see the position we're in now with the very high levels of transmission. Those high rates now represent a risk to all of those objectives. And then uh, Philip Nolan who is uh, with the modelling advisory group and they're the ones that track the way the spread of the virus is going. He said the issue wasn't what happens inside in schools in the classroom, but it's what happens around the service. I mean, as I mentioned there, that that you know statement that, that the movement of around a million people getting children to and from school, but it's also the congregating that happens outside of uh, schools. And I think schools have done really well. I mean, since since the children went back in September and the, that first term from September through to uh, Christmas, now there was some outbreaks of COVID nineteen around the country in schools but they were very low when you look at the number of primary and secondary schools that we have. So I think schools did remarkably well, both the, the, the teachers and the management of the schools and I think the pupils themselves. But it was a, there was a lot of worry and concern and we certainly would have had people commenting here on the programme about it, about parents gathering outside the school, particularly for collecting children in the afternoon and there was no evidence of social distancing when the school gates opened in the secondary schools and everybody piled out and then you you had groupings of children gathered at lunchtime. You had teenagers, you know, going out to get their takeaways at lunchtime or going to their local deli and then they gathering in huge groups. And all of that obviously now is a huge concern when there's so much COVID in the community. So as I say, we're going to have to wait and see um, and I don't know whether the decision is going to be made today or whether the decision is going to be made tomorrow or not. But uh, already having some people commenting on the uh, school's Twitter, uh, Kevin on our Twitter account at uh, C103 Cork says anybody with a brain wouldn't even considering opening schools before the end of January. But we're dealing with a government who refused to close the borders. They refused to enforce quarantine and they have had less two deadly strains of COVID into the small uh, island. Kevin not impressed while Glenn said absolutely dreadful time for our children selfish adults are switching off their education again. He, Glenn says no need for this madness and lunacy. We've lost all sense of humanity and perspective. Glenn, one of the ones wanting the schools to remain open. And then Alex uh, also on our Twitter f- feed says, my seven-year-old son needs school, needs to be around his friends and he needs to be a child. So there's, you know, people for and against wanting schools to open or close. But here's a really, really powerful email that I received this morning. And this is to do with the provision of education to special needs uh, children. 
And that's why I was glad to hear Anne Rabbit saying that she's hoping that special needs schools will remain open. But an email in from somebody just signed a very worried uh, mother uh, who doesn't want me to call out her name, which is fine. But the email reads, I'm a mom living in North West Cork and I'm so very lucky and proud to be a mom to a six year old, wonderfully autistic boy who is pre-verbal with lots of sensory regulation challenges. He absolutely loves school and has come so far, especially speech wise, since starting primary school last September. Last year was ridiculously hard on him due to the lockdown. No school, no visits to grandparents and most importantly, no access to services, in particular occupational therapy. He could he just could not cope with being home all the time and his self-regulation skills went out the window. No matter what I did for him, sensory or OT-wise, he regressed more as each day passed. It affected him so much, I hardly recognised my little man by the time lockdown was over. He went from being a happy, fun-loving, relaxed action man to a very frustrated, upset child who would constantly bite and scratch himself to such an extent that he drew blood. He never had what you would call meltdowns until lockdown arrived. He would start crying a few times a day and throw himself forcibly onto the floor to the point where he would give himself bruises. We would have to leave him out in the back in the garden where the ground was softer until he got through these meltdowns. My hubby and I would sit at the back doorstep watching him bawling our eyes, crying while singing his favourite songs until he was ready to come to us for consolation. He stopped eating, stopped toileting, stopped looking for the 100 times a day hugs, kisses and tickles that made him the adorable and affectionate kiddo that he is. For my boy's own dignity, I feel it would be disrespectful to go into any further details regarding the many other ways he's been affected by lockdowns other than to say the impact has been huge on him and as a result, the happiness and sometimes, if I'm to be completely honest, the safety of both him and his little sister. I'm hoping that when this, with this week left until the 11th of January, government in Neffet will come up with some plan that will keep the ASD units in schools open, even if only for three days a week, and vaccinate any ASD teachers and SNAs who wish to, wish to receive it. I'm a very sane, logically minded competent and strong person but I absolutely cannot bear the thought of letting my child regress to the extent that he did last year. It's nothing short of child neglect. No services and no schools. The two things that are a lifeline for autistic kids and their families. I understand that everyone in this country is under huge pressure both in work and home life currently but seriously if we can't do something for special needs kids happiness and their mental health it's a pretty dire indictment of all of us and it's simply signed uh, uh, a very worried mother goodness me a thank you to that mum who sent in that email because I think it really puts it there in black and white just how important routine and schools and all of the other services that go with 
uh, that are needed by uh, children who are on the autism uh, spectrum. Now, we're, we're also going to get on to uh, Michael Moynihan and he, of course, is the chair of the Oroctus Group on Disabilities just to see if he can get us any update on exactly what is the thinking, what is the, what are the government, what's been said, even if we can find out what's been said behind the scenes. And, you know, Anne Rabbit very much pushing that special needs schools and classes would remain open and we'll see if we can get some kind of comfort for that mum. And I think that mum is just summing up what a lot of other parents with children with special needs and what they have gone through uh, when schools closed last year. So we'll see if we can get some kind of an update. But once again, thank you uh, to that listener and, and stay strong. And, and your little boy is extremely lucky to have a mom like like you fighting on his behalf. Long may that continue. Some of your thoughts coming into us. John in Cove said, when schools were closed last year, we had teens going around in massive gangs. So at least when they were in school, they're in a controlled environment where they are not in a controlled environment when they're out on their own. And there's the danger that if you keep the, the schools closed, will parents curtail their children's movements? And somebody else has said, I'm, I work in a shop. There's lots of, there was lots of children out yesterday with both parents. At times they were just in shops browsing. Please keep your keep them at home for everybody's safety and that is the message at the moment the message at the moment is stay at, is for everybody to stay at home not just children adults as well and that you only leave the house when you have essential work if you've got to go to work or if you have to go to a doctor's appointment or if you have to go out shopping for the essentials I mean going out as parents with your children and browsing around shops that's not essential shopping essential shopping is going to the supermarket to get the items that you need so that you can bring it home that you can feed yourself and feed all of your family it doesn't mean browsing around how do we get that message through that's for everyone you need to stay at home Jim says what about play schools reopening it's not fair on uh, working uh, parents and then we had some calls in from people who are heading to uh, work Patrick says Patricia can anybody clarify what are essential services and what's essential work where I live in Cork City there are offices that are full the office car park is full and the staff are parking either in the car parks or nearby. Why are so many still in the office? Surely a lot of that work can be done remotely. Is there a need for this? Well, only yesterday I had a listener contact us by email who on the first lockdown when everyone was told to work from home, she said she worked from home. She felt all of herself and everybody else in her office work very successfully from home. But now her employer is refusing to allow them to work remotely and is insisting that they come to the office. And she says she and the other workers are feeling very nervous about it. They would prefer to be working from home. But it is up to the employer to tell employees to work from home. And obviously it's the situation with the offices that are close by you. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone in every one of those offices can't work from home, but surely there's a large proportion of them that can. And then Eileen contacted us, who is a nurse working in CUH. She travels from the North Cork region every morning to get to Cork University Hospital. She's amazed that there is still the amount of traffic on the roads this week. She was expecting that there would be less traffic particularly when it was announced that we were in level five and particularly when it was announced that people were, where possible, were told to work from home. She said, surely 
all of the people in all of those cars cannot be heading for work that is uh, essential. She understands that people go to shops and delis and people are working in health and people are working in construction but she still feels there is too much traffic out on the road. The only comfort that she is taking from the fact is that what when she's spotting people are out and about, people are abiding by social distancing, people seem to be hand sanitising and wearing their masks and people are making an effort but she also feels that there are too many people going to work at uh, the moment. And then we've had uh, somebody contact us. So this is to do with road bowling. I was listening to the podcast of the programme yesterday. And you remember yesterday I spoke with the Bantry GP, Dr. Paul O'Sullivan, who very worryingly was talking about the number of cases now in rural areas. And obviously he was talking from West Cork point of view, but I, mean, I imagine that's, this has been reflected all over the country. But he in particular was talking about some of the smaller villages in West Cork that had basically been COVID free. They hadn't had any cases of COVID since the start of the pandemic and were quite proud of the fact that they had kept COVID out of their areas. Now suddenly he said there is very few areas where there hasn't been uh, cases of uh, COVID and that is a real worry. So one of our listeners was listening to that podcast yesterday and but contacted us about road bowling and said if we're under living under level 5, why is road bowling allowed to continue with huge numbers? Nobody's wearing masks, there's no social distancing going on. This listener said that over the Christmas period in North Cork there was a number of road bowling events. The Gardaí were notified but nobody was moved on. Just last Saturday, last Sunday there was a road bowling event. Cars blocking the road, just abandoned. Again, nobody wearing face masks, no social distancing. It's a complete joke. There was about a hundred people on some of the days at the road bowling events over the Christmas uh, period. Could all of these people, could they all be living within the five kilometre limit? Surely they're, bre- they're breaching that regulation by travelling outside of the five kilometre kilometres. It's a nightmare. COVID is never going to go away if this kind of carry-on is allowed. We need to stop road bowling. 1850 Some of your calls and comments coming in. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Now, there is much debate, and judging by some of our calls and comments coming in this morning, division over whether schools should reopen or not next Monday, January the 11th, with teachers looking for reassurances from the government and public health officials that it is safe to reopen. Cork Solidarity TD McMarry says clarity is needed. And McMarry joins me. Good morning, Jim Mick. Good morning and a happy new year to um, you. Many happy returns, uh, Mick. Now, for both teachers and indeed parents, isn't it vital that a decision is made on reopening sooner rather than later? Yes, the decision should have been made uh, before now. Uh, and I don't see why we should have to wait until uh, tomorrow either. Uh, I think it's increasingly clear that it is not a runner uh, for the schools to reopen next week. Uh, I see that in the UK, the government has now decided to keep the schools closed until the middle of February. Uh, And uh, I doubt very much if closing the schools uh, for one week will be sufficient time in order to make them safe either. I think we're looking at a shutdown here um, at the very least until the end of uh, January. And if we were to say until such time as they're safe, it could even be longer than that. 
So even if it was at the end of January and then reassess again at the end of January, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, if if the government were to say close for the month of January and reassess at the end of January, I don't think um, uh, that I would be objecting to that. Uh, however, I do think that if you reassess at the end of January, uh, there's no guarantee, given the scale of what we're facing at the moment, uh, that you would be able to reopen uh, at, that, at that point. And I think the government have uh, played parents and teachers and students uh, for fools in the last few days. Uh, I mean, I was listening to Josepha Madigan on the radio yesterday, an incredible meltdown of an interview uh, where she was saying the schools are not being kept closed until next uh, Monday. It's just that they're not reopening uh, for a couple of days um, and that there was no reason why the schools uh, should not reopen uh, next Monday. Well, I think there was more than 6,000 reasons on the news last night as to why that's going to have to be done. I mean... Is there a case that the government is waiting to see if COVID numbers drop during the week before making a decision? Well, uh, are COVID numbers going to drop? Uh, And if they are, uh, by how much? I mean, it's clear that the COVID numbers uh, for this week will be very, very high. Uh, And uh, that isn't going to change uh, in the space of uh, a few days, hopefully. Uh, people are following the advice and taking all the the, the, the precautions and uh, respecting uh, the various restrictions, uh, and that we will get the numbers down. But the idea that they're going to be, you know, way down by next Monday—that's that's a pipe dream. Uh, uh, at this point, uh, that that is not going to happen. And when schools were open, I mean, they they did remarkably well in that first term from September through to uh, Christmas. But we're in a very different situation in that the numbers of COVID cases in the community are very different. It's very different now than September in a number of different respects, I think, uh, uh, Patricia. Uh, One is that the number of cases in the community uh, are way, way up. Uh, Number two Uh, is that uh, although the government and the Taoiseach overstated this in order to uh, cover for their own uh, failures and poor decisions, um, there is the new strain of COVID out there in the community. And also something that is only beginning to be reported on now, um, but I think is a very important factor, uh, there are uh, reports coming in now of significantly increased uh, numbers of infections uh, among the very young. Yeah, this is the bit. This is the big worry, isn't it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the the schools, um, I think we can predict with with almost certainty, despite the shilly shallying from the government, um, will not reopen next week. It cannot be done safely. Uh, so the 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 issue then is uh, what supports are given for families for parents, and what supports are given for students. For example, if we look at the issue of students, um, you know, how many students and how many homes uh, have laptops? Many do, but many don't. So you you, you will have some students who, for a period uh, which is likely to be an extended period, not not just a period of a week, I think, uh, will be studying at home on laptops, uh, and there'll be other students who'll be using their phones. Uh, yeah, because and, and the phones but, will be credit phones. Too. Yeah, but if if we 
if they make this decision, to, uh, which, which I think you're right, I think the, you know, I, I don't think anyone believes the schools are going to reopen next Monday. But will they will they remain closed, or will it revert to remote remote learning? Does does that decision have to be made? Yeah, well, the, the, it seems that there are uh, uh, two issues in in consider, uh, under consideration here. Number one is the idea of a complete closure, uh, and if we do have uh, remote learning uh, for all students from Monday. Uh, then it must be done on the basis of a level playing pitch. Uh, you cannot have some students uh, studying with pay-for-credit phones and others on laptops. There should be uh, laptops distributed to every home and every student in the country if there's going to be remote learning, particularly if there's remote learning for a reasonably extended period of uh, time. The other idea that seems to be being raised is that schools would be kept open for some students, for example, uh, in secondary schools, leaving certain students, uh, and in primary schools, maybe um, uh, the children of frontline workers, health service workers. Which is uh, what they're doing in the United Kingdom. Yeah, and in other countries uh, as well, but it's easier said than done because it means that um, the teachers have to teach face-to-face and then do the online classes on top of that. Uh, and also, you have leaving cert classes with 30 students and more in it in some cases. Uh, so you would need to be uh, splitting those classes uh, and doubling up on uh, teachers there as uh, well. I, I doubt myself that there's any way that even if you were to have limited number of students in schools next uh, Monday, that that could be done safely, given uh, the level and the surge in the virus at the moment. It might become an option in a couple of weeks' time, but, but I don't not think for it's now. a safe option. Okay, what, what, about, what about, forget about remote learning, leave the schools closed, extend the Christmas holiday by, say, an extra four weeks, by a month, and take a month off the summer holidays? Yeah, well, th- th- that would be a blow uh, for many young people and it would be a blow for many students, uh, but it is uh, an why, option. Why, why, why would it be a blow for, for students? Because you, you would you would have your your holiday break uh, under a lockdown uh, in the winter, and you would lose. Uh, well, uh, sure God, month. sure God, help him! Didn't we all have holidays during lockdown and put up with it? It's uh, for one did. year. It's it's it, we're living in a pandemic, Mick. We, we are indeed, uh, and I'm not saying that that is an option that should be considered. I think it is an option that will have to be considered, and that should be considered. So to be clear on that, uh, but I am saying. Uh, and I don't apologise for saying this, that who has the virus uh, hit the hardest in society? It's hit hardest at the elderly, uh, whose uh, lives have been most on the line in this situation. But I think it's hit very, very hard at young people. Uh, And I think uh, your your summer months, uh, uh, when you're young, (laughs) are are, are really valuable uh, time and, and time that you... You, you, you treasure for the rest of your life, and to lose a month off that, I think it's fair to say, is yeah, a real but blow. If, yeah, but if, for, if uh, it's a case, people. if it's a case that they're going to miss out on their education, I think you know, if, if they just, you'd say to them, suck it up. If you've got to lose a month of your holidays, you're getting it at, at this time of the year instead. Your well, education I, 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 is important to you. I, I wouldn't say suck it up. I think that's that's a, 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 a crude way to uh, address uh, young people who would receive a blow like that. But I do think it's an option that would have to be considered. Okay. And it's not something that I would and, and ultimately, is it Neffish that will make the decision on whether the schools reopen or not? 
No, uh, the decision will be made by government. Uh, they have uh, their special cabinet subcommittee, uh, which is discussing that and other issues today. And then the cabinet meets tomorrow. It's expected that the cabinet will make a decision on this uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. And I think that, you know, the decision should have been made by now. It could and should be made today. And if, if, they, if they fail to make a decision on this past tomorrow, I mean, that is just completely and totally unfair uh, to parents, teachers and students alike. OK. All right. We, as I say, it's, it's, it's tomorrow. It's expected that the decision is going to be made. But listen, Mick, we leave there. Oh, before we go, just on the student nurses getting, um, I was reading this morning there, to get a, a, a pandemic placement grant worth €100. Euro. Yeah, the, the students are very, very disappointed with this and they're right to be very, very disappointed with this. I mean, there's thousands of student nurses going from the universities uh, into the hospitals over the next couple of weeks. One and a half thousand fourth-level, uh, fourth-year students uh, this weekend alone. Um, they are making a real sacrifice going in and doing this work. I mean, it's really underlined by the fact that we have 100 nurses uh, out of action in the CUH alone for COVID-related reasons at the moment. And to offer them uh, €100 Euro a week for doing that work is an insult, in my opinion. Um, there is a grade uh, in the, the health service called healthcare assistance. Healthcare assistance would be paid somewhere between 13 and 14 euro an hour. Uh, that is the rate that the student nurses uh, should be paid, not something which is a million miles below the minimum wage, like 100 euro a week. It's an insult. Okay. And, and I, I'd say this as well. I mean, this report, uh, I think the Evening Echo are possibly the first... A news organization in the country to to run with this. They they've got it on their uh, page uh, this morning. Um, if if the government bite on that one and don't improve that very very significantly, this is going to be a major issue on the floor of the doll again next week. That's not acceptable. Okay, Mick, we leave it there. Thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us. That is Cork Solidarity uh, TD Mick Barry on. Um, my suggestion that the schools would remain closed and you take if they, they remain closed for a month you take a month off the summer holidays instead and Mick saying it wouldn't that wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair on young people somebody says Mick you can't have your, be- your bread buttered on both sides let them have their holiday now tough and uh, John and Clon says Mick seems to be running with the hare and hunting with the ca- hound you can't have it every way and Brian in from Moy says Patricia on the matter of schools closing students will be hanging around together just like they did during the last lockdown. It's even been happening all of the time. Are people thick? Or what I know of people who have other people into their home on Saturday afternoon and they stay there until late into the evening. These Are these people tuned in to what is going on? Says Brian in uh, Formoy. And actually a number of people are contacting us saying that they are aware of house parties that were going on over Christmas and indeed even even last weekend with large numbers of people present. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. 
Now, anyone who tests positive for COVID-19 is told to self-isolate for 10 days, which basically means staying in a room away from everybody else in your household. North Cork Councillor William O'Leary joins me to talk about his self-isolating period, which happened over Christmas. Good morning to you, William. Uh, Good morning, Patricia. And and you're welcome. Firstly, how are you doing now? Are you okay? I'm doing good. I'm back at work today, so back to normal. But um, look, it was basically um, a challenging period over Christmas. I mean, I tested positive for um, for coronavirus on December the 18th. You know, I, I had little or no, no symptoms. I seemed to be in close contact of someone who did who did test positive. Um, so I went into a period of self-isolation, you know, as, as recommended by the HSD in, in my own bedroom. You know, and I'm not... My, with my own situation, I know, Patricia, there's been elderly people self-isolating since March, haven't been able to see family. I know there's people in nursing homes who haven't seen their loved ones since March. I know there's extended family, haven't seen extended family since March. And I know I know fam- families aren't able to come home over Christmas to their own families. You know, I'm not trying to compare my own situation to any of that. But what I would say is I did find the 10 days of self-isolation over Christmas in my own company, in my own bedroom, very challenging to say the least. Um, okay, so so when when you were, first of all, were you shocked when you got the positive diagno- diagnosis? I, I was because I was feeling fine. I was feeling fine and, um, you know, I got the test, stayed at home, got the results and it, it, was, um, it was a surprise. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then, like, to be honest, Patricia, I'm one of these people who, who doesn't really worry about themselves, you know, I, I, I felt fine but then the fear of God comes into your mind and fear of God comes into your whole by giving this to, you know. And I mean, in my own house at home, there's, five, there's, there's seven of us, there's five siblings, including myself and my mother and my father. And it, it just the fear of God comes into your own mind. Have I given it to them? Do you know, have I given it to my mother and father? Do you know, and, uh, you know. And, and, lo- and luckily you didn't. You didn't. You, I didn't. you didn't pass it on. You didn't pass it on. So during, so, so during the self-isolation period, did you get any symptoms? Did you were you, were you sick at any stage during the ten days? The only thing I can say maybe it was a symptom was I, I had a loss of appetite for a few days. No, I still came out of it and probably put on weight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, and this is what I'm going to say to you next. Patricia is probably a bit strange, you know. Um, I, I bear the loss of appetite. I had little or no symptoms, but in in a funny way. I was nearly saying to myself at times, I nearly wish I had a, a bit of a cough or something, because you know then I have to get over this cough or I have to get over this fever. When you're more or less asymptomatic, symptoms can come upon you at any time, you know, and you're there sitting there thinking, am I going to, are they coming now? Are they going to come? And, uh, you know, that, that is, that is probably an uncomfortable thought, you know. Yeah, and you're not the first that I've interviewed who were who was basically asymptomatic throughout uh, the period. Who said that? And the, the last was the the young uh, student from Galway who said every day he woke up thinking, "Is today going to be the day? Is today going to be the day?" Uh, and the day never came, thankfully. But that's a bit of a head wreck waiting for these symptoms to happen. It is. It is, Patricia. You know, you think they're going to come. You open till the last day of your. Self-isolation, I, I genuinely thought they're going to come today, and I, you know, but luckily they didn't, you know, and luckily everyone at home was okay. Um, 
But you know, it is, it is, it is. Over the Christmas period, the self isolation was tough. But still, not trying to compare that to people who have. I know, I know, from, I know. But know, yeah, listen, and, and yeah. nobody, and and I, I know the point you're trying to make. But this is what you went through, and this was your reality. And I think what you're saying is has been and will be a reality for a lot of other people as well. I yeah. mean, being stuck in a room and then add to it that Christmas is going on as well. So you had family obviously looking after you dropping food to the door was it is that how you I, did it I, I did I was lucky in the sense that look I, was, I wasn't left wanting for anything friend, uh, plenty of people dropped stuff to my bedroom window friends called up and dropped it there and left my my parents were, and brothers and sisters were dropping things to the door I was lucky I had a bathroom across the way from my bedroom that no one had used and when I went to outside I was actually hopping out the window to get a bit of exercise had you, a t- <laughs> had you a TV in the room I did. I did have Great. a television in the room. So look, uh, I'm one of these people who lives out on lives out on the sticks, out, out on the belly rolling that comic. So internet reception isn't isn't great. Oh you know? no! So, so I know. So it was well tough. But, you know, Trisha, during that period, you're you're on your own. It's actually very hard to focus on anything. It's very hard to pay attention to what's on the television or if I was reading something or that's something I found that you know you read two lines and you throw it away. So I lot of the period I was actually sitting there staring at the wall or lying on my back looking up the ceiling because your attention and your focus I, I found anyway to score. Yeah, yeah. Bore, boredom has a tendency to to, yeah. to, to, uh, to kick in. So it was it was the mental torture was the toughest uh, part. It, it, it was and the fact that it was probably the Christmas period probably compounded that and I would say it is tough. And everyone was dealing with it differently. You know, Patricia, some people may, may enjoy the thought of being in a room being served food for 10 days and looking at the Television and reading books and going out for exercise in the garden. Do you know? Do you know? People, plenty of people told me to get over myself. <laughs> do you know that they yeah. to do? But uh, my own experience of it, I would say, was very tough. Do you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's how different people will deal with it. So did you did you have Christmas dinner all on your own, your own side in the bedroom? I, I had Christmas dinner on a plate up in my lap. Ah, sure, got <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my bedroom. But look, trying to get out of it. And look, luckily, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, I yeah. wasn't sick, and luckily, and and most importantly, no one else in the household um, got it, which was which was the most relieving thing of all. Okay, so what's your message now, William? You're on the you're out the other side of it. What's what's yeah. your message to people? Is it is it abide by the rules, stay at home, keep away from people? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I think we've been good up until now. I think um, during the, during the March lockdown and to a lesser extent November, people people. Um, did abide by the rules. I think we got a bit of COVID fatigue in thinking, you know, people seem to think maybe I got it, didn't get it, and there was that bit more freedom of movement over Christmas, you know. What I was concerned about yesterday when I was watching the, the news last night was the phrase, the phrase of words the, the Chief Medical Officer used, Trisha, when he said, we're no longer in the containment phase, we're in mitigation phase, you know, um, which is very concerning. So, it, like, people, uh, people are well aware now that we are in a very precarious position, probably to call it straight out, worse off than what we were in March and what we were in the October um, strains of the virus. So, you know, for the sake of the next month or six weeks, stay at home, follow all public advice to the letter, you know, and as the teacher said last week, you know, the difference between this lockdown and the previous two is there is an immense ray of hope in that we have an, uh, an effective vaccine. You know, I, I would say that you know, we do need to get it rolled out probably a bit quicker than what we are, you know. Absolutely. I, probably, Absolutely. Probably, I, I do think it's probably one of these things when it gets going, 
vaccinations definitely have to be rolled out to the most vulnerable ASAP, you know, as of today and at speed. Uh, and in the meantime, we have now have a virus that's out of control in the community. And I think that advice of if we all treat everyone we meet as if they're contagious. Absolutely. And if you treat yourself as if you're contagious, so no matter where you go, you keep away from people at all times and stay at home. I mean, it's yeah. that's the simple yeah. message. Uh, is stay at home. Absolutely. And as I think to the chief medical officer said a couple of weeks ago, it's never too late to cut back your cut down on your social context. You know, never too late. And you know, um, I know people still have to go to work. I know people are, are, are can find their own company at times challenging, and I want to meet people out for a walk. But for the sake of what's ahead over the next month or six weeks, I know people are sick to the back seat of this. But it's a different strain of the virus. It's more transmissible. So we have to. We have to. Uh, we're, we're in injury time. We have the. We have the vaccine. We just need to see this out now. That's it. That's it. Would you be in favour of the schools staying closed? I think. I think the decision needs to come today. I think they do need to stay closed for for, for at least um, month of January, Patricia. I know people are saying. Um, people are saying, you know, get on with it and call it. You know, I'm sure that decision will come today or tomorrow. You know, and uh, I would be probably in favour of. Closing the school, I, not probably. I am in favour. The school should be closed until at least the end of the month, and the situation should be should be reviewed in. Yeah, uh, and, and let that, people, but let call. people know so that people can Absolutely. make make I decisions. Think yeah, that call. Has okay, to come and, today and you, you're, you're back at work. That's the important thing, and and, fe- and feeling okay. Okay, well, feeling okay. continue yeah. to stay safe, and thank you for sharing your story with us, yeah. William. Thanks for Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. That is uh, North Cork Fianna Fáil councillor William O'Leary sharing his story of what it was like to be in self-isolation right over the Christmas period, which I think probably makes it even a little bit harder. Dennis says, Patricia, would you tell the curtain twitchers that are calling or texting your programme that it is no good them contacting you saying that they are aware of parties, they're aware of lock-ins or they're aware of multiple groups of people piling into each other's houses. Uh, Tell them what they need to do is ring the Gardaí. If they don't want to do that, then they simply have to push up or shut up, says Dennis. There's no point given out about what your neighbours are doing if you are that upset about it and you think it is a risk to public health then you need to ring the Gardaí 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we're going to take a break a lot of commentary coming in. We'll take a look at that during news at 11. And in the next hour, in we will be chatting with John Lowe, the money doctor. His money annual, his advice annual uh, is out. And actually, there's a section on it for people who maybe were on a pop payment last year or on a wage subsidy scheme because there's implications for your taxes. So if you have questions for John Lowe, the money doctor, you can get those into us uh, as well. We'll take a break, though, and head to the newsroom at 11. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCrewmotors.com. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. On C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
Vera, one of our listeners, was on and she has lost some money. She's wondering if anybody found it. She was shopping in Lidl in Kenturk yesterday and she mislaid a sum of money. Now, she realised very quickly that she'd lost the money. She went back into the shop. They had to look around. They couldn't locate it and unfortunately nobody had handed it in. But when she was searching around, she did manage to find the receipt and she reckons the receipt and the money she'd put into her pocket and somehow it had fallen out of her pocket. The receipt was there, tangled up with the money, but unfortunately the money was gone. So she's wondering if we could do a shout out if anybody was shopping in Little in Kenturk yesterday and they found some money. Uh, we know who owns the money. It's our Vera. And we have Vera's contact details. If anyone is honest enough to come forward to say they found that money and could return it to Vera, please, if you give John Paul a call 1850 Now, a lot of texts and calls in, including this one from Sarah in West Cork. So, hi Patricia, Happy New Year. Many happy returns to you. Sarah, I'm living in West Cork and I just want to ask you. My friend was contacted by a text a few days ago to say she was a close contact with somebody who tested positive for coronavirus. My question is, what is the situation for her now? Should she be self-isolating or restricting her movements as she lives with other family members? Should the whole family be self-isolating? Is it for 14 days? Is it for 17 days? Have you any idea, please? I kind of told her what I think she should be doing and that she should be isolating. And she said, no, no, I just need to be careful as to who I meet for the next seven days. I said, I told her I'm sure it's 10 to 14 days and that she should be isolating from other people, including other people in the house. Am I right or am I wrong? I'd just like to get the correct information to her thanking you in advance. Okay, if you are contacted and that's exactly how it happens, you will be contacted by the HSE uh, contact tracing to say that you are a close contact of somebody with COVID-19. Now, as we know, the situation has changed in that you don't now go forward for a test. Up to last week, you would have been sent forward for a test if you were a confirmed case of a close contact of somebody with COVID-19. But because the system is swamped, they're now saying to people, if you are a close contact of a confirmed case, you don't go forward for testing unless you develop symptoms. If you develop symptoms, then you contact your doctor and then you go ahead for the test. But what you need to do for the 14 days, you need to restrict your movements. And what does restrict your movement, which is exactly what... Uh, Sarah's friend needs to do. She needs to restrict her movement. You avoid social situations and contact with people as much as possible. Stay at home or, uh, uh, and you should, you can, you can still go outside to exercise but you need to make sure that you stay two metres away from other people. You do not go to work unless you work on your own and can completely avoid other people. You do not go to school or college. You do not go on public transport. You do not have visitors to your house. House. You do not visit other people, even if you usually care for them. You do not go to the shops or pharmacy unless it's absolutely necessary where possible. They say order your groceries online or have family or friends drop them off for you. Obviously, these regulations are in place when schools are open. You don't drop uh, children uh, to school. You do not go to any kind of a social gathering, uh, you know, funeral, um, wedding, whatever, christening. Um, there's not many of those events happening at the moment, but you avoid all of those uh, uh, gatherings. Do not meet face to face with older people, anyone with a long term medical condition or uh, a pregnant woman. And if you're a close contact of a person that tested positive for COVID-19, you need to restrict your movements for 14 days. Now, the 14 days starts on the last date you were in contact with the person 
So with Sarah, when your friend is saying she's another seven days to do, maybe she's already done seven since she was last with that person. So your 14 days kicks in from the last day you were with the person who has tested positive for COVID-19. You should continue to restrict your movements even if you get a test and it comes back uh, negative because it can take up to 14 days for the virus to show up. We only spoke yesterday of somebody who was a close uh, contact, got to day 12, had been feeling fine and on day 12 developed symptoms and ended up uh, testing uh, positive. And the 17 days, this is the new one that has been introduced. If you are caring for somebody who cannot self-isolate, then you must restrict your movements for 17 days. Everything I just said there, but instead of doing it for 14 days, you do it for 17 days. And if you live with somebody who's restricting their movements, you do not need to restrict your movements as long as they have no symptoms. So Sarah, the other family members in that house do not need to restrict their movements. But if your friend develops symptoms, then obviously they will have to, cons- they will cons- be considered a close contact if she tests uh, positive. So hopefully that gives you some kind of clarity. And it also actually, all of that information is also the very same for, because that's for if you, if the, that advice is given, if you are a close contact of somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19, but also you must restrict your movements. If you have arrived into Ireland from another country, unless you're coming from a green region or if you're coming from Northern Ireland, and I know people will question, why are they saying that about Northern Ireland? Now, there's very few countries that are green regions at the moment um, and that's countries that are very low COVID. So there's little or none. I think the last time uh, I checked, certainly over Christmas, there was none on that list. But anyway, the majority are red, which means they're similar to Ireland, that they have high levels of COVID-19. And then we were contacted this morning by, uh, we had a couple of calls actually, John Paul says, from workers who are working in a factory here in Cork who are concerned that a fellow worker had flown in from outside of Ireland. This person obviously went home for Christmas. Now the person did have a private COVID test and the, the private COVID test showed that this person had a negative result, which is good news. But the thing in the tale is the worker has turned up for work today, even though this person has only come back from another country. And it's a country that we've checked is on the red uh, list. And some of the workers contacting us said they were a bit concerned about this because they thought that that person should have been restricting their movements. Everybody at the factory is concerned, especially people with underlying health conditions, extremely worried. They've contacted the HR department who basically haven't taken any action and are saying it is okay. Now, we're not naming the the company, obviously, at the moment. We've contacted the company on behalf of these uh, workers just to get confirmation and to find out what exactly they are doing because the HSE clearly states that if you arrive from another country, whether you have a negative result or not, you must restrict your movements. And it certainly doesn't look like that that worker is restricting their mo- their movements. They're back at work uh, today. So we'll, if we get an update from, uh, from that uh, company, we will get back to you. Now, some of our other other listeners' thoughts coming in. This is a couple of WhatsApps in. The government needs to seriously look at closing the border. A couple I knew flew into Belfast from London. They went to London to collect their son who was studying 
in London. Hired a car and they drove all the way back to West Cork. Talk about utter stupidity, says a listener. And all of them, they should, every one of them should be restricting their movements for the 14 days. Hi Patricia, could you tell me, are amenity or landfill sites open and would that be considered an essential journey? Thank you, you stay safe. Yes, they are open. I was actually at the Civic Community Society in Mallow on Saturday and it was remarkably busy, I have to say. Always great to see Civic Community Sites uh, busy and they are just, I think, the jewel in the crown for our for the for the council, I think the way those amenity sites are operated and the workers there are always so friendly and so helpful, and they're always, I mean, basically a civic community site is a dump. You're going there to dump items, but they're always spotlessly clean. It never ceases to amaze me how well run they are uh, as well. So yes, but you need to check because obviously civic community sites all open on different days. There was a time where they were all open Monday to Friday. They're not anymore now because of the council don't have enough staff so just check in but yes and that would be yes if you were stopped it would be deemed an essential uh, journey because you're, you're going out with a purpose once you're going somewhere with a purpose uh, you are okay now a number of people not happy with Mick Barry when I was speaking with Mick, Mick Barry and while I think a lot of people will agree with him that schools need to remain closed, when I dare to suggest that could they, rather than do remote learning, uh, because he had an issue with remote learning and saying that not everybody's laptops, not everyone has, even though I don't think he said good broadband, I'd throw that in because not everyone does have good broadband. Uh, and when I suggested, well, why not leave the schools closed, but leave them closed as an extended holiday and take a month instead away from, say, the summer holidays if you're going to give young people and teachers an extra month holiday at Christmas take them away from the summertime and that didn't float with Mick Barry at all and he was saying sure what about the poor young people and how could you be expecting them to have their holidays in the middle of a lockdown some people said Patricia Mick Barry hello what planet are you on? He seems to be running with the hare and hunting with the hound. I'm actually laughing at him here, says this texter. Sharp contrast from that lovely email that you read from the mum with the little boy with a special needs child. She had me crying. Yeah, she had me crying as well when, when I read that letter, I have to say. And somebody else says, Mick Barry is only thinking of himself. Votes at election time. To me, that was uh, bluffing. That's from Morris and somebody else says we've all put up with no uh, holidays last year but people won't put up with it again. Last year, I, last night I heard on the news that Dr Tony Houlihan said the funeral home will be full with the virus. This I feel is scaremongering. Think of an elderly man and woman listening to that. As I said before, we have to live with the virus. Get out the vaccine to the GPs and get it to everybody. I mean, yeah, that's the wish. The wish and the hope is that we can get enough vaccines into the country and get it out to people so that life can return to normal. But in the meantime, I mean, I don't think Dr Tony Houlihan is scaremongering. It is rampant at the moment. We have to protect what you're saying, that elderly man and woman listening to him speaking. We so have to protect our elderly people until we have enough of the vaccine in this country and we can get enough elderly people and the general population vaccinated. In the meantime, we all have a role to play. We all have to act as if we ourselves are contagious and as if everyone we meet is uh, contagious. Thanks for your text. John says, I was in Donnerill Park last week. Everybody in the park was wearing masks. That's really good to see. But, says John, up to 100 males were on the road, road bowling and not a mask in sight. It's not fair to the law-abiding people that these people are allowed to do that. We've had similar calls about that particular incident of road bowling um, out and around by uh, Donnerill. A lot of people very upset uh, by it. 1853 
0818 and Ellen says just wondering if you over you're any of your listeners know if the St Vincent de Paul shop in Canturk is expe- accepting donations of clothes we need to check in actually with some of the charity shops to see I know the Aurora charity shop in Mallow are accepting donations I think it's Monday Wednesday and Friday if you check on their Facebook page I know I read this over the weekend I think it's Monday Wednesday and Friday and they're doing it between 11 and 2 the set hours that you can only drop off the items. The last lockdown, a number of the charity shops did continue to accept donations, but they particularly asked you to, to make the donations on on days and times when they could take them in. They didn't, you know, they, you don't, they don't want people bigging bag loads of clothes and bric-a-brac and just leaving them outside the shop. That's the last thing any charity shop uh, wants so if anybody is working with the St Vincent de Paul shop in Canturk, if you can tell us, are you accepting donations or not? What I would suggest to most people is if you check in, they usually have pretty good Facebook pages where they'll update you and let you know a number of the charity shops were doing click and collect that seem to have worked for the charity shops as well. So, But if anybody can tell us, the Canturk St Vincent de Paul shop, are they accepting donations? 1850 Traffic through Buttevant says a texter at this present time is non-stop. People are just not taking heed of the advice and the message to stay at home. Bring the guards back out. We need to stop these unnecessary journeys, a little bit like what they did back in March when there were regular checkpoints. And morning Patricia, just listening to your programme and listening to the email you read from the mother of the little boy with uh, special needs, little boy on the autistic spectrum and it was so sad reading how he has regressed and terrified now that the same thing is going to happen again if the schools don't open for special needs children next Monday. I too, says this texture, I'm a parent of a special needs boy. Like all parents in my situation, our special it Special needs boy, like all in my situation, uh, he finds lockdown very difficult with nothing open, no place to go. My child attends a local primary school. So if you could ask Michael Moynihan when you're getting on to him, what help is available for my child during lockdown? Special needs are lost in society again. Uh, as always, thanking you. What is wrong? What is wrong with the child's SNA? Say, for example, taking the child for a walk or coming to the house and doing some arts and crafts with them. Why pay SNAs for doing nothing when we go into uh, lockdown? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103-Jobs. An experienced electrician with experience in maintenance in industrial pharma is required and that's for work in the East Cork area. A driver is wanted for Blackwater Metal Recycling, that's in Boerbui. You need to have a full CE licence and CPC essential and some experience in lorry loader would be an advantage. And a taxi or minibus driver wanted for a school run in Cork City, you must have SPSV licence. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Now, the 16th edition of Ireland's number one personal finance annual is now available. And as always, it's a straight talking guide to organising your finance. John Lowe, the money doctor, joins me to discuss his 2021 uh, finance annual. Uh, Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Very nice to talk to you again and Happy New Year to you and the listeners. Well, many happy returns. I I can't believe that this is your 16th edition of this book. 
It is, I know. Uh, it seems like only yesterday the first one came out, but this is the first one that I'm publishing and distributing myself, funny enough. Well done, and, well done. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, when you think about it, you know, all those uh, publishers, they're, they're great, and I have so much respect for, for the last two. I mean, O'Brien last year, and then for the first uh, 14 years, uh, it was, um, uh, you know, Gil, Gil Books. But, um, you know, they have hundreds of books that they have to promote each year. And so it's extremely difficult to take one book out and concentrate on that one book. So uh, when when you're just a publisher yourself or an author yourself, and you've only got one book to market, one book to promote, one book to distribute, it's a, it's a lot easier. Yeah, well done. Well done. We wish, you, we wish you luck with this. Now, how do you suggest somebody gets the most out of your book? Well, you know, I'm passionate, Patricia, about helping people to better manage their money. And I think that, you know, you have to start at the beginning. This is a brilliant, brilliant time of the year uh, to really look at your finances. And how to do that is to, you know, uh, do a budget plan. And uh, so many people, you know, less than, you know, if I do these seminars, webinars, um, I find less than 10% of the attendees, the audience, would, would have done a budget plan at all. And I think, you know, if you really want to find out how much it costs to run your life on a, on a monthly basis, um, the, the only way you can do it is through a budget plan where you have the expenditure on one side, the income on the other. And, you know, at the end of it, you've either got a surplus or a deficit. So if it's, if it's a deficit, you've got three choices. You earn more, cut costs, or you prioritize. And that's why, for instance, over you know, 300,000 people over the last five years would have stopped their health insurance payments. If you have a surplus, that's what you plan with. So if I just tell you that maybe one of those income uh, parts might be your uh, child benefits, and the child benefit is 140 uh, a month, as you know. So, so some parents, uh, there won't be that many who are able to, to put that 140 away for their child as a third level. So from the time the child is born, and it stops on the 18th birthday, um, they've accumulated 28,560 euros. Wow. Wow. That is that is that is fourteen thousand shy of what you need to send the same child to third level. Yeah, it's incredible. And and some people are, as you say, not everyone's able to do it, but if you are able to do it, it's it's a huge, huge uh, bonus. So you suggest people take time and as you say, this is the right time of the year to do it, start of the new year. You take yeah. time and, and, and you write out it, it's a financial plan. It's almost like you run your household and your life a little bit like you would do a business. In fact, you know what? I have a budget planner spreadsheet, and it's free for anybody who wants to to write to me or go, go onto my website, whatever. But it's it's a really easy to operate, simple to understand spreadsheet because it tops itself up. It's got all the categories: so your transport, your medical, your utilities, all of those things are there. Give you an example, Patricia. You've got a TV license. It costs 160 euros a year. So if you're doing this on a monthly basis, you're going to put 13 euros, 33 cents in the column where it says TV license, because that is now being paid by your monthly income pro rata. And therefore, you don't have to worry when that TV license comes in because you've provided for it. What you haven't provided for is maybe the clutch that goes in your car or suddenly, you know, sort of loss of income. You know, maybe the redundancy from COVID uh, uh, in the middle of the summer. So you need that kind of a uh, kind of rainy day fund as well uh, to kind of prop this up but the, but when you put it into your budget um, it's there and it's it's paper from the income that you're generating you always do a really good chapter on pensions is it never too early and never too late to start one 
Oh, I've got a good one for you. Just, uh, I mean, uh, at the start of uh, last year, I had this interview with a, uh, a girl who was only 26, came to the office, wanted to, to know about pensions and wanted to start one. And first of all, I applauded her because, you know, uh, and I told her the story that, you know, maybe in, you know, by the time she retires, which would be at least 45 years away, <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, there won't be such a thing as a state pension. That's the, that's the reality. Anyway, by the time I finished uh, chatting to her and she set up this, this pension, she was actually visibly upset at the idea that she'd missed out on the first two years. Wow. Of <laughs> <laughs> now, you don't get many young people in their 20s, though, no. though thinking about I, it. I, and actually, I, I tell you what, I, am get, I was getting a lot, especially at the start of last year. In fact, it kept, each week there was a younger person, a 25-year-old, and then the father set up a pension for his 22-year-old son. So, yeah, it, you, you, you know, the younger you are, the better it is. Obviously. And it doesn't, it can be a small amount if somebody's starting out on, you know, the journey of career and might be on very big wages. Well, yeah, yeah the thing is, Patricia, you know, uh, uh, once you're under 30, um, 15% is the maximum you can, you can put into your pension to maximise the tax relief. So it, it really does make sense um, at 15%. If you put in 20%, it's a waste of money. That 5% is a waste of money. So you have thresholds uh, on the ages. So up to, then once you're over 30, it's 20%. Once you're over 40, it's 25%. And once you're 50, it's actually 30%. So so that means that, you know, you can, uh, and it's, it's not plucked out of the air for nothing. Um, it's a brilliant thing. When you think about it, if you are on that 40% tax raise, uh, for every 100 euros that you're putting into a pension, um, the government is giving you back 40. Mm. So before you even start, you're up 40%. So if you take last year, no, maybe 2019, last year was a funny year, but 2019, most people uh, in pensions grew by 12%. So that 40% of the 12% is now 52%. There isn't a single investment in the country. Of the pay that. that kind of yeah. 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 And then, you know, getting out of debt, um, uh, John, do you believe everybody can get on top of their debt with proper planning? Well, uh, they have to. They, they have no choice because, again, it's, you know, you're cutting costs or you're earning more or you're uh, prioritising. Let me just give you an example of, you know, you know after Christmas, a lot of people uh, are thinking they, if they have, a, a you know, a debt, maybe an overdraft, maybe a credit card debt. I mean, there's, there's one of the four companies um, card, credit card providers that will give you 12 months um, absolute uh, 0% if you transfer your balance over to them. That's on post money, which is the longest by by five months, actually. So um, that's one way of doing it. So if you had, say, a, a 1,200 debt and you pay 100 a month uh, for 12 months, then at the end of 12 months, your credit card is, is debt-free. But for those people who have to maybe borrow 2000 to go to their local friendly uh, credit union. It might get a rate of about 6.9%, uh, and therefore that'll cost you uh, about 172 euros a month. So this to kind of give you the kind of actual figures. If you go to one of the 36 authorised money lenders in the central bank register, authorised now, Patricia, um, you would pay a up to 187%. In pounds, shillings and pence, that same 2,000 loan over 12 months, that's, not, that's costing 172 in your local credit union, uh, is actually going to cost you 378 euros a month. It's unreal, isn't it? 
And they're, they're, they're licensed money lenders. And they're licensed. Yeah. God help the people who have to go to unauthorised money lenders. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's the strong arm tactics um, that would uh, would apply as well. So avoid them at all. And, and pride should go out the door. If, if, you're, if you're really, really stuck, you know, there's lots of brilliant, brilliant charities like, uh, you know, Simon Community, St. Vincent de Paul, all of these wonderful charities who will w- really help you. And then there's, there's your neighbours and your friends and your family. You know, don't be afraid to, to you know, kind of get them in on... There, on, there on is, the there is life after, after debt. Would you rip up the credit cards once you haven't paid off? Uh, no, I wouldn't no. really, because it, it makes sense. You're getting roughly 30 days credit anyway, maybe a bit longer in some cases. Um, but as long as you have budgeted for it, you know, there's another um, uh, you know, free app that you can get, Money Doctors app. And, uh, and again, it's, it's a great one, Patricia, to track your spending. And this is where, you know, your, your you know, lattes, your pints, your newspapers, your magazines, your petrol. So just for four or five weeks or, or a calendar month, you just absolutely put it into this, this 13 different categories, including online. So it's really simple to use as well. And you can download from Play Store or App Store. And then at the end of four or five weeks, calendar month, you, you get a report and the report gives you the top five spend, total amount you spend, and geographically where you've spent every cent. Because this, this, this will tell you where you've been. So it's a really wonderful way. I mean, there was one guy came into me there again at the start of last year. And uh, like his hand was shaking. He says, I have to have three lattes a day. I said, I'm not surprised at the hand shaking. And, and he, said, he said, but I, I can't help it. I said, do you know how much that costs? He says, I don't care. He said, well, let me tell you, it's costing you 2,000 euros a year net. And for you to earn that, you have to earn 4,000. So as long as you are aware that you're guzzling coffee for a year and it's costing 4,000 of your salary, then you fire ahead. But someday you may get... Uh, you know, a higher priority, like changing a bedroom into a nursery, and it might cost you four thousand. Now you'll start thinking, "I don't need this coffee." Yeah. Or, so or this, make your cup of coffee at home before you leave. Or make a cup of coffee yeah. exactly. Bring or, it or, with or, you. Or, or bring it with you, uh, uh, or tap water, anything. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is, it, you know, as those kind of things can drain money. Uh, and the, the way of them, I mean, when you go to an ATM and you take out a couple of hundred euros. And then a week later, you're having to breeze where that money's gone. This is a great way of tracking your spending. OK, just on pensions, James has a private pension. The value at the moment is just over €40,000. He can leave it there until he reaches 65, but he also has the option of taking it out now. What would John suggest? Well, 40000 you know, if you look at 40000 um, you've got two systems. Taking it out means that he's going to get 25% of it if, if, he's, at a, if he's over 50 um, uh, or, and obviously it's a, it's a type of pension where it's not restricted to age. You know, most pensions go to maybe age 65. But if you're talking about, um, uh, you know, the normal pension, it's 10,000 he gets tax-free. And then the other 30,000, Trisha, current rates are about um, 2, 2.5%, maybe it's even if it will go uh, 3%. So i am just got my calculator here, 30,000 multiplied by 3%, divided by 12, that means uh, 75 euros uh, a month taxable is what he'll get out of that. So you can see that it's not a whole heap. So uh, I'm not sure whether the the texture is a young man uh, or he's just, uh, you know, uh, at a certain level, but he'd need to um, 
add to that tension uh, because half the country, unfortunately, don't have anything to look forward to other than the state pension. And as I said, you know, when we have uh, in 30 years' time um, a demographic of three times the uh, a, a, of, of the aging population, three times numbers who are retiring, and then pit that against the fact that um, for every person who retired last year, there were five workers. In 30 years' time, there will be two. Yeah, we have a we have a pension time bomb that is it's, co- it's coming down the track for sure. Yeah. Another question: I am fifty four, working full time, and only have a small, recently started pension. My my husband has a long term good company pension. Would it be better to put more into his or top up my small one? Well, it, it depends on her income. If her income is did you did you say what income she? She just on? she just I'm working full time. She's just full time with a small recently started pension. So it doesn't say. Okay, well, well, at fifty four years of age, that lady can put away fifty four. Uh, sorry, fifty four. Yeah, she's fifty four years. Fifty four. Yeah. So she can put away thirty um, percent of her income, and that means if she is on a at the forty percent tax rate, it's well worth her while um, putting it into her uh, own pension rather than her husband's. Um, and even a 20% is still working because, you know, as I said, you're up 20% before you start. Stock market is, is doing quite well this year, uh, remarkably, uh, with all that's going on in the world. Um, uh, there's no sign of it uh, uh, abating. But in terms of, of um, you know, uh, you know, the next stage for, her, for that lady uh, next year is when she turns 55, she can put actually 35% of her net relevant earnings into that same pension. So, so I, I would... To top I would up her own. Top up top her, own. her own. OK, top another another own. listener has €20,000 in saving just sitting in a bank account. What would John suggest doing with it? Don't have a mortgage and I'm 10 years away from retiring, says the listener. Well, let me tell you a little story about a guy who last May was made redundant and uh, he had 40000 uh, in his um, uh, kind of redundancy package. So he didn't know what he was going to do and he knew that he, he wanted to put away and, and forget about it for a couple of months. So he, he stuck it into prize bonds. So the rule of prize bonds is you can't touch it for the first three months and then after three months you have to give seven days notice you can take the whole lot out. But it's guaranteed by the government. And he also knew that you're in for the draw the first day. A week later he won a million. <laughs> Are you for real? Is that, is that uh, true? Does that really happen? That's true. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. what are you suggesting to, to this so to this I, guy? I, I, Twenty thousand into prize bonds? That's pure luck. <laughs> well, he may as well stick it in. Well, it's guaranteed first of all, but secondly, um, there's a chance you know he might get. I had two clients, Patricia. But sitting in the bank, million. he's making nothing with, with it. Oh, he's making nothing with it. No, yeah. but I had two clients with half a million each, and then I asked one lady, uh, you know, what kind of return? Because all investment is about the return you get. So she says, uh, and, and she actually pressed it by saying, listen, John, you have no idea, she says, um, the um, uh, joy I get from listening to my letterbox go on a regular basis. Because they were the 50s and the 100s coming in, you know. Yeah, yeah, the small so, prizes, yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. So she tosses them all up and she, she, she put it as a percentage of the um, total amount that she held, which is half a million, and it worked out at 1.4%. So I said, oh. that, that's actually brilliant because that's net. 
So gross it up, you're looking at 2% you're getting. That's better than any demand account or any deposit account in Ireland at the moment. You're great. That's, and, a, that's uh, a great ad for prize bonds, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> a con- as somebody who signs themselves country girl, I, uh, I have 50k in sterling in a UK bank. It was a pension. I'm living in Ireland now. What should I do with it? I'm 63. Well, you know, with Brexit and everything that's happened, sterling has remarkably weakened uh, I can't see it getting any stronger. So if, if the lady at 63 years of age, she wants to spend her money, bring it over and, and, and take the hit, you know, it, it, you know, I could easily say, you know, a year ago would have been, or two, in fact, two, three years ago uh, would have been the best time to take out that money. But it's always easy in hindsight, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Now, this year, of course, many people ended up either on the PUP payment or on the temporary wage <coughs> subsidy yeah. uh, scheme. Now, you're including this as one of the new chapters in, in your book. Talk to me, what are the implications for, for tax on the, from these okay. schemes? Oh, OK, well, first of all, it, it was like a yo-yo last year. Uh, those payments were kind of increased, re- reduced, stopped, started, back up again to the they're back up again to the to the high, which is three fifty. Those uh, pandemic unemployment payments, the cut payments, they were tax free in, in terms of they were paid gross, so you, there was no tax deducted off them. And the EWSS, which would have really gone to the employer, um, they they wouldn't have been deducted either, and the employer may have given it directly to the, uh, you know, member of staff and um, they may have held some money back. But predominantly, um, there's a tax liability and the revenue are probably going to write to everybody when it stops. And please God, it will stop soon so we can get back to some kind of normality. Um, Say in the middle of this year, uh, they write and they say, I think you owe us money. But if you look at it, Patricia, uh, you know, these payments didn't start till last March. And then you've got, say, nine months. Even if you had 18, 12 months of 350 a year, a month, a, a, a week, a week. Rather, you're talking about 18,200. So that's on the threshold of paying tax, just about. But you would pay some universal social charge and you would pay PSI unless you're over 66. So you'd have those two tax liabilities plus a potential if you went over that um, 18,000 odd for income tax. So, but the good news, at least, is that uh, uh, revenue, if you have got a tax liability, they may give you the option of spreading it out over maybe a four-year period and reducing your tax credits for those four years. And those that were on the wage subsidy scheme who stayed in work but were on a wage subsidy scheme? Um, Well, those who who were on that, that, they would have the same issue because um, unless the employer was still deducting the tax from whatever payment they were given their employees. Um, that's the only way you're going to know. know. But you, you'll have to maintain those uh, salary slips and make sure you, you have, you know, you know exactly, you know, have you been uh, deducted for your tax or is it still liable? OK, but th- well, revenue will write to you. They're nice like that. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and I think I'll say they've, they've, they've been, you know, very pragmatic about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, y- y- your book always has the, the hundred ways to save cash. Uh, yeah. g- g- give me five. Give me, g- give me five give that five. just come to mind for yourself. Uh, okay, well, well, first of all, you know, you could turn down your, your thermostat by one, de- one degree and you'll save 10%. Um, does that, does, you know, I, I'm always hearing that. Does that actually work? Yeah. 
That does work, actually, yeah. And you um, wouldn't notice one degree, would you, in your house? You probably wouldn't. Not really. No. Not really. Uh, you know, go from, say, 20, uh, 20 degrees to 19. Um, that's what I'm saying. It does, it does help. Um, also, I mean, certainly in terms of, uh, you know, insurance. Uh, so how many people get their car insurance this year and they don't, uh, you know, shop around? Get at least a couple of codes. Even those who were smoking and they gave it up maybe a year ago, and now they're starting, and they've still got that mortgage protection that they're paying for, which was as a smoker. They will save 50% on the premiums by now going for a new policy where they're non-smoking. Uh, but you need to contact your company and tell them you're now a non-smoker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can save everywhere, everywhere you look. I mean, uh, check your mortgage uh, rate. How many people are just, you know, accepting maybe they're paying 3.5%, maybe 4%. And they could be getting a 2.2% fixed rate for five years. Um, the same with, you know, if you are saving money, uh, there's a regular saver account that uh, the two pillar banks actually have the best rates of 1%. It's only 1%. But, you know, as my mum used to say, uh, it's better than a slap in the face and even after their tax. So I, I would certainly look at, um, you know, making sure that you've got that rainy day fund uh, you've got a regular saver account because you'll have. The, we we always have uh, items that we need to put money by for the future. Whether it's a holiday, whether it's next Christmas, whether it's a child's education, uh, whether it's changing the car. You know the P. You know P, PCP uh, loans. These personal uh, contract plans uh, where you have to have a bubble payment at the end of three years, or else hand the car back, or else just roll it over and keep paying. So, you know, have, you know, that lump sum uh, as, you know, your lump sum to pay off that bubble loan would be would be far, far preferable. Yeah, lots, lots of ways. Listen uh, to Save Money. Listen, it's a terrific book and I, all, I always point people in the direction if you're going to buy, get, take on a mortgage. I think it's invaluable for anybody who is uh, considering a mortgage because there's a really good section uh, on that as well. It's uh, it's terrific as always, uh, John. It's one of those books that you have in the home. You can dip in and out of it throughout the year. But I think during this first couple of months of the year, it's most important, particularly when it comes to the financial plan. So it's available now, as you say. It, it is still available in the bookshops, but you can get it direct. Of course, bookshops are not open at the moment, but you can get it directly well, from you. They are coming up to Tuesday. Are they? they? are open. Yes, they well, are. But they deemed essential. <laughs> Easterns are, are, are open and all the bookshops. So are all the supermarkets. So believe it or not, Dunn stores, Tesco. They all sell books. They're all, <laughs> they, they're they all, all have them. My book, yeah. Okay, yeah, and it says that. always, it's a yellow cover. You can't miss it. Money Doctors uh, 2021 by John Lowe. Uh, but it's also available directly from yourself at moneydoctors.ie. It is, of course. It is, okay. of course. And actually, that planner uh, spreadsheet, uh, again, is available to any of your listeners if they want. It's free. Okay. And I'd be very happy to send it to them. You're a mine of information as always. Good luck with the book and we'll speak again soon. John, thanks Thank for that so and thanks for joining Thank us. Uh, good morning Bye. to you. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroommotors.com.
Let me stay with financial issues because somebody was asking about the increase in the living alone allowance. It was one of the few increases that was announced in the last uh, budget. There's an increase of five euro per week for those uh, people who are entitled to the living alone allowance. It goes from 14 euro to 19 uh, euro. And the increase comes in from this week, the first week in January, depending on the day that your particular payment is uh, made. So if you're getting a living alone allowance at the moment, it's 14 euro. It goes to 19 uh, euro for this uh, from this week. And then on the fuel allowance, there's also an increase in the fuel allowance. It goes from 24.50 to 28 euro from this week, January 4th. And for those, somebody was asking about the people who get it paid in lump sum. Uh, the second lump sum is paid the second week of January. That was for a listener uh, who is uh, feeling very cold at the moment and they need to get a fill of oil. So that's the second week of January. So next week, yeah, for those who get their lump sum in two lump sum payments. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is kind of an annual question that comes in at this time of year, but this is specifically for the Skibbereen area. Hi Patricia, Happy New Year to you and all of the staff. Many happy returns. Just want to know, is there any place in Skibbereen that people are taking old Christmas cards? Thanking you in advance. That's from a listener in West Cork. Anyone in the Skibbereen, Skibbereen area uh, that use Christmas cards. I know we've had over the years various places that have taken them for arts and crafts for children. Some nursing homes took them where the residents were doing arts and crafts, uh, etc. So if anybody knows in the Skibbereen area, we have somebody willing to hand over their Christmas cards rather than put them in for general recycling. And obviously, if you don't find places, that's where they you put them into your recycling bin, please. And we also are we're going to have to get on to NDLS for this. Marie has been on to us in Mill Street, and actually there was a couple of tech in yesterday asking a similar question I just didn't get around to it yesterday was so busy with the current lockdown that is going on people who are trying to renew their driving licence people over the age of 70 Marie is asking do you still need a medical cert and I know the problem there is is trying to get into the doctor to get the medical cert and God knows GP practices are under enough pressure at the moment I know that up to the 31st of December anyone over the age of 70 who didn't have a medical condition they didn't need to submit a medical report on renewal but it was a temporary exemption and it was only in place up to and including the 31st of December gone. So that was last week and the NDLS and I've checked on their website and they're still saying the same thing that from the 1st of January 2021 a medical report from your GP is required for all applicants over the age of 17. Now we're going to check in to see are they going to look at that again because obviously when they put that in place it was a very different time for the coronavirus numbers and the fact that it wasn't spreading so much in the community. So they may revert back and put in another temporary exemption. But as of now, according to the NDLS's website, you need to have a medical report. So hang in there and we'll email them and see if we can get an answer back on that one. And hopefully if we don't get it before the close of the programme, we'll certainly bring it to you tomorrow. Some more of your thoughts coming in. Listening to John Lowe, the money doctor, on telling everybody how we need to save money and how get out of debt and you know to take a look at doing a financial plan and just work out 
you know, where you can save money and where you need to be careful about saving money. Uh, Breather says, for most people, most people save money either maybe to buy a car or go on holidays or perhaps to do house renovations, etc. But remember, health. We all need to remember health. Breather said, I know of one person who is getting a second hip operation done. They don't have private health insurance, but yet they're going privately, so they're paying privately. It costs €15,000. People don't think much about those things when they're saving, but it is something worth thinking about, looking after yourself going into older age. Thank you for that, Breather. Hi, I have been listening to your programme for years and I've never got involved, never sent a text before, so this is my first. Thank you for that. And We love to have people text us or email us or call John Paul feel free to interact please anyway this listener says I have been living as I should be and I've been doing it since March since the pandemic began why am I doing it because I've got respect for myself and I also have respect for other people I've been told about a pub in a county town that never closed. I believe the virus is walking in that area. The pub, I believe, has been reported several times to the local Gardaí, but nothing has been done. I'm also hearing of drinking in the shed at the back of a GAA uh, field. That sounds to me like a little bit of a she-bean, and we know, but again... We, there'll never be a vaccine for stupidity and ignorance and we'll always have people who are going to break the rules and decide sure I'd never get it and coronavirus and if I did sure I, it won't bother me and you know it's only a flu you know, always get the stupid stupid people saying that but again I go back to what Mike Ryan of the World Health Organisation said just be mindful of what you're doing and just steer well clear of people who you know who are breaching the guidelines and who decide it's never going to affect them and I know that can be hard because if you have to go out you never know who you're going to be bumping into but that's where the social distancing comes in keep wearing your mask and hand hygiene keep washing your hands particularly if you've been out somewhere as soon as you get back in wash your hands keep the good hand hygiene and look after yourself and you're, you are right you're doing it you respect yourself and you're doing your bit to try to respect others unfortunately not everyone is doing at the same thing stay safe uh, Margaret says Happy New Year Patricia many happy returns I just want to say I feel strongly about school closure and I have a, a very good reason for feeling so strongly four members of my family are teachers all all four are isolating at the moment because they've either been in contact with somebody who's tested positive for COVID and one unfortunately is COVID positive I'm sure they're not the only teachers who have come down with COVID or who are restricting their movements how will schools open if there are no teachers to teach I'm sick and tired of the moaners about teachers I would love them to spend a week with 32 junior infants in a classroom and now COVID on top of that it's a nightmare Uh, Patricia and that's from Margaret thank you for that Margaret and uh, I hope uh, your family members recover from Covid and that the others who are self-isolating that they only have to restrict their movements and that they haven't, that they've been in close contact but they don't manage to uh, pick it up someone else says maybe it's time to stop interviewing politicians and maybe try interviewing a local politician, local publicans who decide not to adhere to rules and government guidelines also took it upon themselves not to serve food when they were open and they ended up having a lovely festival atmosphere. Just look at some of the statistics for some of the rural areas. This listener feels they are all pub related. Hi, I don't understand why we're even having a debate when it comes to whether schools should stay closed or open. 
People are dying. We need to do whatever it takes to stop the spread of this virus, as hard as it is for everyone. I think our government are sadly lacking. Keep schools closed. Stop non-essential travel in and out of the Republic of Ireland. I, for one, want to look forward to 2021 and I want to do it with some positivity. I'm tired and depressed, as are so many others after the past year we have all had to put up uh, with. Hi, this is some of your WhatsApps. Uh, uh, I'm going to leave that one because I need to do some checking out on that just to get some information for that uh, listener. Teresa says, Patricia, it's not just the elderly who need to protect themselves. We all need to protect ourselves as far as I am concerned. Yeah, and listening to, I think we've come to the stage now where everyone seems to know somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19. And I think it's a very different picture to what it was, say, a week or two before Christmas. Uh, Certainly, we were only discussing this in the office, myself and uh, John Paul, because now we personally know people who tested positive. And and if you'd asked me, are either of us back in November, even into December, I would have said I knew somebody who knew somebody who had it. But now within, you know, close circles, we all now suddenly know people who have tested positive. It really is quite frightening just how rampant it is at the moment. And Micah says, uh, Patricia, he, uh, first of all, talking about uh, Mick Barry. Mick Barry should live in the real world. This was in regards to how students would feel if they were made to take some of their summer holidays and take it in January rather than in the summer months. Michael Michael says, I agree 100% with the closure of schools, but it should be for the remainder of the term and not just for a few weeks. During that closure. Vaccinate all of the children. Vaccinate all of the teachers. Otherwise, they'll be closed again before they even have their bums back in their seats in the classroom. Furthermore, the pain of COVID is imprisoned in the bones of the elderly with the fear of the young people bringing it home. The seniors in this country, and I mean those over the age of 50, should be able to live in hope and confidence and not be living in fear. Personally, I think the government should have vaccinated the children, the youth and all of the working people first and do it in a massive vaccination programme with vaccine centres like set them up at GAA grounds in churches, in town halls, school grounds, marts etc. It is the people going into nursing homes that are bringing it in, not the people who are already inside bringing it out. It's the people who travel abroad who bring the virus back with them. Not, uh, not uh, and they don't do it intentionally. Otherwise we will all be on this merry-go-round uh, for this for the next 12 months thanking you says uh, Michael that's you're the first person that I've heard put forward that argument Michael of vaccinate all of the younger people max vaccinate everyone that's going out to work and actually we only saw in the paper today that's exactly what they're doing in China China have rolled out their vaccination programme and they're not vaccinating the older people they're vaccinating all of the workers and in true Chinese fashion it's regimented. I saw photographs with that looked like tens of thousands of people all lined up, all socially distanced now, I have to say, and all on seats, all getting ready to be vaccinated. But they're doing a mass vaccination programme, but they're doing a mass vaccination programme of workers. And that obviously keeps the economy going and keeps people out at work. And it's when they have all of their workers, and you're talking about a country that has billions of people, not millions, and when they have all the workers done, then they're going to look at vaccinating the older people. So they're taking a very different line 
to the line we're taking and indeed not just in this country I think all across Europe and, and America as well and many other countries we're going for the more vulnerable we want to protect the older people to make sure that they don't and if they, that if they, if they do are unfortunate enough to come in contact with uh, coronavirus then they will be protected but Michael's saying maybe we need to look at that again and maybe it is the younger people and the working people who need to be done in a mass vaccination programme and I'd love to see a max a va- mass vaccination programme of every person in, in every cohort of society from the very elderly to the very vulnerable to the workers to the school children to carers to doctors to nurses everyone but unfortunately our problem is we don't have enough supply of the vaccine and therein lies the problem not just in this country but in other countries as well and I know Pfizer and Moderna uh, and all of the other uh, companies are doing their best to produce as much as we can. I mean, we still need to get some of the other vaccines authorised so that they're available to this country. But until we get to that stage that there's enough vaccines, it's only then we'll be able to hopefully start talking about mass vaccination programmes. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text on WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company are aiming to collectively run, walk, cycle, hike, and swim. 12,000 kilometres and during, during the month of January and it's an effort to raise money for the Cork Simon community. You can donate through their Just Giving page at Cork Simon. And Focus Ireland are appealing for support for their Nullig Naman fundraising event. You can purchase a ticket for afternoon tea at the Riverlee Hotel from Focus Ireland office on the South Mall or through Eventbrite and then you can celebrate Little Women's Christmas anytime during 2021. And Whitechurch GAA annual Christmas draw that's going to be held on January the 8th you have three chances to win for your ticket which is priced at 10 euro you can check out White Church GAA Facebook page for further details Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com Cork Business Star Camp is offering children right across the country the opportunity to take part in a free online camp. And to tell us more, I'm joined by the owner of Star Camp, and that's Aideen O'Grady. Good morning to you, Aideen. Hi, Patricia. How are you? Well, I'm very well, and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, this is a very kind and a very generous offer to the children of Ireland. Can you outline what the online camp offers children? Of course. So basically, look, we run summer camps at Easter time, summertime, and it's based around kind of the contents of that plus them. So we have everything from magic, which we have Keith Barry involved in. We have drawing with Don Conroy. We have singing, dancing, drama, science, baking, jokes, games, and so much more. And we're trying to pack all this into 90 minutes for five days a week um, to purely give children something positive to kickstart the new year. Well done, well done. And what age group is it pitched at? It's primarily kind of primary school children, four to 12, but we're getting so much feedback. uh, And there are children from two right up to almost 92 (laughs) um, enjoying the songs and the dances and getting stuck into this. You know, it's absolutely unprecedented, the response and the the feedback that we're getting. You know, so it's wonderful and it really is kind of aimed at everybody. So there are five 90-minute programmes, isn't that it? Exactly, five 90-minute programmes. We kind of, 
we, we pre-made these before the end of the year, thinking that we'd roll them out for the next midterm. And in, feb- in February. Exactly. Yeah. Um, word came last week about kids being locked down again this week. And we just felt, you know, we'd such a, everybody had such a hard year. Um, we, we took a massive hit ourselves, you know, camps were down 75%. And everybody was just feeling this, you know, heaviness and weightiness and the thought of another lockdown. And we went, you know what, we have this in the bank. Let's kickstart 21 for everybody with this really positive, uplifting thing that we can give. Um, it's wonderful for the children and it gives parents that little bit of respite that's what needed after the chaotic, chaotic Christmas everyone has had. Um, and we just went, let's just give it, let's give it. And we thought, oh, maybe a couple of hundred or thousand people would log on. But um, I think there's up to almost 200,000 children now. Isn't that from, from all so, over the country? Anybody outside? Every corner of Ireland. Outside the country? We do have, that's what made our, <laughs> we had a little glitch yesterday, um, technically. And that's, I think, what threw it over the edge. Um, we were prepared for Ireland, but um, next thing we did have a lot of, I suppose, diaspora more than anything, um, logging on and hearing about it. So it went, it just went off the Richter. Um, but thankfully, everything is back smooth sailing and running great again for today. So everybody can log on really easily um, and, and and just enjoy it. OK, just explain to people how parents signed their children up for it. Sure. So just if you just go to our website, www.starcamp.ie, and you'll see a link at the very top of that page, Virtual Camp 21. You click on that, you fill in your brief details, your name and your email address, and you'll get a link sent to you and you can log straight in. And then you can watch one a day or children want to do a back-to-back session, they can. They can, because we're noticing, especially, you know, word is still spreading. So we, we originally gave this um, to be um, available until Sunday. Now, we will probably extend that given the current circumstances. Um, but you can log in at any time. And once you get the access, you get day one to day five. And you can, most parents are kind of structuring their week a little bit and watching one each day. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you absolutely can watch the five at once if you want to. But okay. that would be really binging. And you have some impressive contributors. We do. We look. We Thankfully, we have um, we've so much interest in people involved over the years. And it was like Keith Barry sent his own children. Um, Don Conroy's son, where we've worked with in the past. So we've, we've all these really wonderful people involved and stuck in. And I think they're as happy as we are to be part of this um, and, and giving to, to the children at this, at this time, you know. And I'm assuming Don Conroy does drawing, is it? He does drawing. Yeah. And again, like, like the point I'm making, I think the parents are, the mo- some of the moms are like drooling as much as the kids at, at watching and learning how to draw from Don all over again. Um, but it's, yeah, he's a lovely contributor and they're just loving him. They're loving him at the moment. Okay, well done. Well done. As I, as I said at the outset, it's a, it's a very kind and a generous offer. Tell me a little bit about your company, though, uh, Star Camp and the work that you do. So basically, we started about 15 years ago um, and we kind of, I suppose it grew rapidly about eight years ago when we were on Dragon's Den. Um, and it's literally just summer camp. So we run, we started with 20, 15 years ago. We now are in 240 towns nationwide. We roll them out at Easter and we roll them out again at the summer. We have like a, a full-time team in the office that work all year round, kind of preparing, getting the programme right, 
we do a lot of research with schools, with teachers. Um, like That's another thing, even in relation to this camp, the, the response from child psychologists, GPs, principals, teachers, that's what's nearly blown us away. But it, it's just based around positivity and giving children a really happy kind of place to go where they can where we can build our confidence they can kind of learn to come out of their shells perform a little bit breaking them down kind of bit by bit so this is a for, for a lot of parents they want their child to try something like this out and a lot of the feedback we've even got since yesterday was that um particularly for boys more than girls they're really really loving this and it's like a stepping stone to the next step of doing something in the line of performance or it doesn't even have to be for performance it's about just um, putting yourself out there like as Keith Barry said in the show you know this is something for every child mm. to kind of build them up and, and just get them putting themselves out there a little bit and obviously last year as it is now all your camps were, were cancelled we were due to run 225 of them in this Whoa. summer and we last minute managed to run 60 Okay. So we we cancelled them all in May and I think June 20th or 22nd we were told we could run and they were due to start on the 29th. So we had to kind of, we had one week to rehire, start again, create a new programme obviously with social distancing and everything and all the rules and regulations in place. So it was difficult and it was tough but we, I think that's why we did it. We survived. Well done. Um, And we were so grateful to have survived 2020 um, and we ge- that's genuinely where this came from because we've seen so many businesses close and hurt and and we managed to get through and we went you know what just we're just we just want to give back you know we really do and where we were in a position to um and and we please god 2021 will be, will yeah, be well, good what, for us you know what's your thinking around the camps for the summer are you hoping that you will be back up and running yeah yeah okay we're we're fairly optimistic you're staying you know, positive you, completely yeah. i'm even <laughs> optimistic about easter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i might be i might be jumping the gun a little bit but look day by day but i i truly believe that by the summer you know children will be in a great place particularly the the vaccine will have been rolled out um, we are looking after our children. I know they're going to probably be at home for a little longer than anticipated, but that's not the end of the world. And by the summer, like they'll they'll be back in by February, March, and it'll be that that'll be the end of it. There'll okay. be please God, no more um, closures. And in, day, in so. the meantime, for anyone at home with children, you've got the opportunity this week. Starcamp. dot ie. Uh, Eileen and Clan says, "Fair play to Star Camps. Can one access it on a mobile or a laptop, or do you need a specific piece of technology?" No, you can download it onto anything. So yeah, your your ideally your your phone, your laptop. A lot of people now are. Um, connecting this to their TVs um, if if they know how um, but iPads everything anything at all Yeah a TV um, would be a great way if, if you if you had a couple of kids in the house because they can all sit down together yeah. and watch it which would be great exactly. but as you say so on a tablet can, it can be done done as well Yeah. so starcamp.ie Listen Aideen good luck with it Thank and, you uh, so much Patricia and good luck with 2021 I hope you have loads of summer camps up and running all over the <laughs> please country God, please Thanks God. for joining us Thank uh, you bye so bye. much Bye bye. Uh, 1850 Can I just answer a query that came in from a listener? Oh, I said I needed to check out um, 
something for before I could and a completely different question from COVID somebody just want their name read out fine they're in the North Cork uh, area a different question for you today Patricia the general discussion you've been having over the last few days when is slurry spreading season supposed to start here in Cork the reason I ask uh, is we are well underway in North Cork this morning but it seems a bit early to me to start by the way before anybody starts complaining that we're giving out about our farming neighbours we're not this is slurry that's transported in from outside our area and then it's spread on rented land. Those spreading it don't have any relationship locally so there's little or no empathy with those of us that live locally. That little bit of respite we have of being able to go for a walk within our five kilometres of our home or shortly expected to be just two kilometres will be short-lived with the amount of slurry covering the roads. Kind regards, please don't call out my name, which is fine. So I checked for this listener in North Cork and whoever is spreading the slurry, can I tell them, please, you're spreading it a little bit early because fertiliser and slurry spreading season, the open dates, it depends on the zone that you're living in. We here in Cork are in zone A and you're not meant to start spreading slurry until January the 13th for zone A. It's January the 16th for zone B and the 1st of February for zone uh, zone C which is up the country but we here in Cork are in zone A along with Carlo, Dublin, Kildare, Kilkenny, Leash, Offaly, Tipperary, Waterford, Wexford and uh, Wicklow and the date to start spreading slurry is the 13th of January. So whoever is spreading the slurry shouldn't be spreading it. It is the closed season at the moment. Not of any use to our listener who says the person's already out spreading it and they will be out spreading it soon because where are we at today? The 5th. Uh, it's the 13th. 1850 A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cause text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And just to remind people, it's Star Camp 
ie. if you want to uh, download that free online camp five 90 minute sessions available for children uh, certainly across this week it's meant to be only available until next Sunday but listening to Aideen and the reaction they're after getting to it it might be extended further but if you want to check it out starcamp.ie Joe Heffernan uh, joins me on this Tuesday afternoon good afternoon Joe Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, happy New Year. And many happy returns. Did yeah, you? And to all who are listening, Happy New Year. Did you survive Christmas? As most people are putting yeah. it. Yeah, we know it was pleasant enough. Yeah. It was. Um, uh, we had four uh, our two twins um, and, uh, and ourselves, and that was it. And um, yeah, we've been extremely careful. Um, yeah, the you have to be. In Cork are. Um, you know, uh, you you could easily take it up the wrong way, but we don't. They tell us do not visit. <laughs> I know. So I know. Um, I, I yeah, was, we're we're doing the best we can to stay safe. You know. I was chatting to some a friend of mine earlier. I was texting a friend of mine earlier who was talking about his dad. You know, would be in a kind of a vulnerable age group and and medically or whatever. And uh, he was he just said, "I have my dad under house arrest," yeah. just to, because it's scary at the moment. There's just so much of it around. It's a bit crazy. Yeah. Um. It is. But then again, um. I suppose, like, if we if we practice, um, if we follow the guidelines. Now, yeah. the guidelines for us here at the moment would be <laughs> sit down in the sitting room and stay there. Um, <laughs> no, you you can get out and you can exercise and you can do everything. Oh, we're the, doing that. Yeah, and we're it's, doing it's that. the good I'm, hand I'm hygiene and all that. I'm very to report that for the first number of days of 2021, I've had a walk every day. Well done, well yeah. done. There is a campaign going, isn't there, about the walking for the 100 days, if you want to keep that up. Starting right. on the 1st of January, there's a, there was a, I saw it on Twitter, there's a hashtag, a lot of people are doing it. Now, we want to talk today, uh, and this is all to do, I suppose, with uh, staying safe as yeah. well. And this is about practising self-care. Yeah, and sometimes um, a, a person can very easily uh, mix up self-care with indulgence. In other words, like, if I take myself on and I go for my walks, even when it's, you know, not degrees Celsius, um, that's self-care. Whereas kind of sitting in with the heating on and, uh, and not go- taking any exercise, uh, a person might easily mix that up with, oh, that's self-care, but it's not. That's, um, that, that, that's the opposite to self-care. So... You know, and during all of this, um, I remember a guy saying to me about 50, 50 plus years ago, he said, Joe, if you want to find the enemy, look in the mirror. And um, and he was right that, um, you know, the only person we really need to take on in life is ourselves. And um, uh, and that's pretty important with what we're all living through with the pandemic, yeah. about being mindful of ourselves and protecting ourselves and abiding by all of the restrictions and the rules that we're told to do. And you're doing that to look after yourself. It's personal responsibility. Absolutely, without a doubt. And the other big word I would say for 2021, the the, the overriding word for us at the moment, um, uh, for us here anyway, would be hope. Um, you know, there's great hope there now that... Um, what do they say? The darkest hour is before the dawn. Yeah. And, um, you know, things might get, things will get a bit worse before they get better. 
and we have the vaccine and, you know, things will get better. Yeah. We just have to get through. We're, I, I, I feel like we're in a storm at the moment with it. We just need to get through this bit and come out the other side and then, you know, the vaccines have started and I just saw one of the hospitals in Dublin, the staff are being vaccinated there. Nursing homes are starting to vaccinate. Nursing yeah. homes, our Cork ones, are going to start from next Monday. Yeah. You know, there is hope and it's to, it's to hang on to those little glimmers of hope. Yes, and to focus more on the journey and less on the destination. To take each day at a time, as you said, mindfulness. And um, sometimes we have to take each hour at a time if things are kind of tough. Just hang in there. Sometimes it's five minutes at a time. But the thing is that um, the the journey is a lot more... Um, should be a lot more in focus than the destination. Um now, that's not to contradict the hope word, not at all. But, I mean, uh, we need to take each day as it comes and, um, you know, keep doing our bit of walking, keep uh, following the, the guidelines for staying safe. And um, uh, I, I'm not, I, I gave up on the New Year's resolutions a long time ago because I always broke them. But... Um, uh, a thing I have for this year now was to change one thing that harms us and to take up one thing that does us good. Now, to take up one thing that does us good, um, this is a little bit like a stuck record for Joe on the 1st of January, but it's the, the little bit more of physical exercise. And um, now, over the Christmas and over the whole thing, to change one thing that harms us, I could definitely cut down on the sweeties and the bickies. Yeah, um, and I know Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, yesterday, and I haven't done it yet, and I really need to get rid of the rubbish that's in the house, that, you know, all the, the tins of chocolates and the tins, yeah. of, tins of biscuits that are not even uh, open. Donate them to yeah. charity, you know, pass yeah. them on to, to somebody yeah. who does who does yeah. need them. But yeah. yeah, but that's an easy one that we can all change. Yeah. Less of the rubbish food, and it's easy to take up a bit of exercise. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, that's keeping it simple. And, um, you know, avoid the complications of the, uh, the you know, the list of New Year's resolutions because it's a bit, I've always found it a little bit, um, you know, a bit depressing when, when, when you realise that you've broken, um, you know, seven out of the ten of them already by halfway through January. Yeah. So keep it simple. Um one thing that harms us, give it up. And one thing that does us good, take it up. And, um, you know, uh, and and don't indulge in, in this catastrophic thinking. And I think to a great degree that we need to depend on the, uh, the well-recognized um, radio stations and we need to uh, depend on um, uh, reliable and trustworthy sources of information that um, the world has changed and uh, anyone with an axe to grind or with a theory which might be completely off the wall can put it out there on Twitter and um, Facebook, etc., etc. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we, we need to kind of avoid um, abusing our minds with some of the 
Um, misinformation. Misinformation. Yeah. And stupid a, or conspiracy theories and, and all that. And there's enough of it out there. And I love your line about, you know, we, we be your own best friend. Yeah. And start being grateful. We've a lot to be grateful for. Indeed, we have. Every night um, when I get into bed, I kind of, you know, say, I, I, I really, really feel grateful for, you know, um, the... The, the warmth of a comfortable bed, a roof over our heads, um, food there for tomorrow, and it was there for today. And, um, uh, you know, maybe sometimes we forget about the simple things like that. But, I mean, there are millions of people in the world. My God, I saw some photographs or whatever the word is, coverage there recently um, of uh, people in sandals, uh in um in uh, escaping from um refugee camps in in places where it was freezing and um my god uh, god bless them i i i you know oh it's so awful to consider um that there are people in that terrible terrible trouble and um and uh, without being smug I think we should be really, really grateful that um, despite all the, you know, the, the negatives, um, and there are quite a few, I suppose, really, but look, we're a very lucky nation. We're a very, very lucky country, really, um, despite uh, the COVID and all that. Yeah. We, we'll get over that. We have a lot to be, we have a lot to be grateful for and, we and thankful really for. We really do. And you also say be patient. I, I, I do think we've at times have developed a very short fuse and we're snappy where we perhaps wouldn't have been snappy before. Couldn't agree more. We're all just that little bit touchy with all these restrictions. Um, uh, now, at its extreme end, and um, uh, I mean, we're hearing a lot of um, uh, uh, coverage about um, domestic abuse, but I mean... Thank God, far, far, far down the line from domestic abuse. Um, we can be that bit touchy and um, uh, just that little bit less patient. Um, uh, maybe we're just all in a little bit of um, impatience, uh, feeling a bit down. And like what I would be saying to myself these days is that, look, it's okay to be feeling a bit down. I don't have to fight it. I don't have to kind of say uh, to another one of the shoulds like um, I avoid would be I should be feeling better. I'm feeling how I'm feeling and that's okay. And it's okay as they say nowadays it's okay not to be okay. I'd say there's very few people who are really okay because um, should this whole thing is hanging over us like a cloud. But that's okay to be not okay. Yeah, and, and, and recognise that if you get you know, a moment when you, when you're down, or a moment where you've been snappy with somebody, recognize is for what it is. Absolutely, and if an apology uh, you feel is um, in order, in order, <laughs> Pass well, it then yeah. do the apology. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to say, "Look, I'm sorry, I was a little bit touchy there." Um, you know, and uh, you're a ninety percent of the time. Um, if there's a bit of tension hanging around, that will diffuse it, and. Um, you know, the other person um, will 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 understand because the other person is probably feeling the very same way. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and then don't forget that there are people who are feeling, you know, very down, maybe very isolated, maybe people living, living on their own. Keep in contact. Pick up the Keep phone and contact. make the call. Absolutely. Phone an old friend that you maybe have um, neglected phoning for a while. Um, maybe have a think about it. Who is there now that um, I used to have an old chat with and that I haven't uh, phoned or texted or anything for a long time? And maybe do that. And especially... Um, uh, to phone uh, a friend who is in hospital or poor health. There's a good friend of ours now in hospital with the last um, uh, three or four weeks um, over Christmas as well, um, who lost his lo- his wife oh. um, uh, a month before that. And um, uh, oh, the, the horribleness of hospital at the moment is, thank God to be there, it's the right place, but, of course, visitors are not allowed. So it can be very lonely. So an old phone call can lift a person um, in the morning, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, at night time. Just a simple phone call saying, how are you doing? And that, um, that's, that's the substitute at the moment, I think, for a visit when people are, well, just simply not allowed visit and, and correctly so too. Yeah, but you can pick up the phone and you can while away yeah. 10 minutes, yeah. a half an hour, whatever you have. You'll feel better and the person certainly will feel better uh, as well. OK, we mm. leave it there, Joe. We'll talk again next week. OK, Thank Patricia, you for that. And, and thanks. as I say, Happy New Year, uh, I, or at least, um, you know, reasonably Happy New Year. Keep smiling and get, <laughs> get out for your walk. It's a bit cold out there, but it's dry. Yeah, yeah. You have and no you excuse. Know, dry is the big thing. Yeah, you have no excuse. Thanks a million. Take care. God bless. Bye. That Bye. is uh, Joe uh, Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boherb, where you can contact Joe at 029-766-17. Can I just catch up on some things that we discussed this morning? This is the very latest on special education from Deputy Michael Moynihan, because I'm very conscious of that email I opened the programme with this morning and that lady just pouring her heart out with how her little boy has been affected and was affected when schools went into lockdown, his little boy on the autism uh, spectrum and how he regressed. It was really, really heartbreaking. Uh, anyway, Michael Moynihan has been back on to us. Michael, of course, chairs the committee uh, with responsibility for disabilities and he says the minister is going to bring proposals to the, and I'm assuming this is Anne Rabbit, the, the minister responsibility for disabilities with responsibility for yeah, special needs, is going to bring proposals to the cabinet meeting tomorrow that the special education sector would remain open and available and that units attached to mainstream schools also remain open. Now Michael says if that if that would be agreed by Cabinet or not is another situation but that is the current standing and we will know more tomorrow because it will be tomorrow before we know if the schools are going to close. Most people are expecting they were going to get the announcement that they were closed but there are people with special needs children hoping and praying that their schools and classes will remain open so that's the proposal gone forward that they will remain open. We'll update you as to say on that if it breaks when we're on air tomorrow. And I seem to have opened a little bit of a can of worms when I mentioned slurry spreading with somebody saying there's sorry spreading going on in their area it's in Cork and I checked and the season shouldn't begin in Cork until the 13th of thirteenth of January so there's another week uh, to go on that one Tom and Fomoy said I would rather that the farmer gets out and spreads it on the field rather than tanks full and they overflowing and spilling into our rivers and lakes and onto our roads so Tom is very supportive of people out spreading uh, slurry 
high farmers are allowed to spread dirty water and they're allowed to do that all year round so maybe it's dirty water they're spreading and not um, uh, slurry Uh, Hi Patricia I'm a country resident on slurry spreading when are we going to come in line with some other European countries and pass a law forbidding the spreading of slurry on fields also the slurry should be heated to kill chloroforms before it's spread on land. I think it is a barbaric process. Happy New Year and congratulations on the 30 year broadcast. Thank you for that. Somebody not happy with slurry spreading. And here's another one. Sorry. Somebody says slurry is better than the corona virus. That good smell will clear a nose and then you know for sure if you can smell it that you don't have coronavirus as your sense of smell is still with you. You should be thankful and thank God that you can smell, says this uh, listener. And then Maria says, uh, God bless Joe Heffernan. Just been listening to him. I'm normally not a doom and gloom person and I always try to see the glass half full. But the last couple of days and totally lost sight of the glass altogether and just listening to Joe's positivity is helping me to find my own. I'm very grateful. Well, that is terrific. And Joe will be thrilled to hear as well, hear that as well. Stay as positive as you can. And allow yourself that time when, when you can feel a bit low, but keep smiling and keep looking at that glass because it is it is half full, I promise you that. OK, that's where I've got to leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul for taking your calls. Apologies if we didn't get around to all the calls. We have been very busy, but John Paul on his own taking the calls, so he's doing remarkably well. You can text or WhatsApp as well, 0862 103 103. If we don't get to all of them and read them all out on air I promise you we do read them when we go off air that's where I leave you for today back with you tomorrow at 10 Nick is with you Uh, look after yourself and stay safe Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.